0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode
1: is brought to you by Foster Sundry, a specialty grocery located in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Have you ever wanted to open a restaurant, launch your own food brand, or dive into the ever-changing world of food media? Well, buckle up. Join us for Aspiration to Action, a special live podcast on Monday, June 3rd at Haven's Kitchen in Manhattan. Zara Tangora and Breton Scott, hosts of Life's a Banquet, will lead us through tales of the good, the bad, and the transformative, featuring Food World Innovators and HRN hosts Dana Cowan, host of Speaking Broadly, Eli Sussman, host of The Line, along with his brother Max, and Allison Kane, host of In the Sauce, in conversation with Jenny Britton-Bauer. Light refreshments will be provided by Paris Gourmet, Wolfer Estate Vineyard, and Tahani. Get your tickets before they sell out by going to heritageradionetwork.org slash action.
2: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys. It's May 28th, 2019. I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio. We're here on the Heritage Radio Network.org. we got a special show today. Um, the event Rib King NYC is coming up this week. And it's a sister to Brisket King NYC, which has been pretty popular for a while. And uh, we're lucky to have two of the chefs here, as well as a brewer who uh, made has made some collaboration beers with a couple of the barbecue chefs. So let's go around the room. Everyone introduce themselves, starting with Rob.
3: Yeah, I'm Rob Cho with our Kimchi Smoke Barbecue in Westwood, New Jersey. And I'm Blake Crawford,
1: uh, head of brewing operations at the Elementary in Hackensack, New Jersey.
4: And I'm Eric Springer. I'm the uh, overnight pit boss over at uh, Morgan's Barbecue in Brooklyn.
2: All right, so we're going to dive right into this. Uh, we're going to start talking about ribs and, and barbecue. 101. We've had some, already some really interesting conversations before the show started. So, Eric, tell us about cooking ribs. What's three, two, one?
4: Well, I, I, I'm kind of backing away from that right now because I, I, <laughs> I. When I think about ribs, I, I think it, it's it's my it is my favorite thing to eat in barbecue. I know I was I was going off about brisket earlier. It's just because I like to do. But when um, you first kind of learned to start doing. You know, ribs at home, you, the, the three, two, one was what you always heard, and it was basically just three hours in, in smoke after you've given it, the, your rack of ribs a, a nice rub and trim. And then two hours where you, you'll wrap it in foil and put a little liquid in there, too, just to, you know, kind of keep it nice and soft and give it some more flavor, depending on what liquid you put in there. And then finally, that last hour is you just taking it out and, and glazing it and, and just kind of making it look really good and, and taste perfect, make sure everything's cooked perfectly. And, and
2: so is, is that how you learned to cook ribs?
3: Yeah, I mean, I just started. We're
2: talking about pork ribs, too, right? We're talking about pork ribs,
4: yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I started doing ribs, too. That was the first thing I ever smoked, uh, you know, the fastest. It wasn't a long cook, so I've watched a lot of YouTube videos, you know, get a lot of techniques. And then somewhere down the line, three, two, one. you know, was the, seemed like the method to go. Uh, You know, I don't, you know, you don't have to do it that way, but it's definitely a good starting point. And this is a great mix
2: of kind of what, what we've showcased in New York City because, I mean, Rob, you're, you're Korean. Tell us your background.
3: Yeah, I'm a Korean American. I immigrated to the States when I am four. You know, I'm well into my 40s, so I've been here a long time. So I don't necessarily consider myself Korean. I feel I am 100% Korean and 100% American. Therefore, I like to incorporate that into my cooking, into my barbecue, which is, you know, more or less now, even like things like kimchi. You know, I started six years ago. It's, it's become sort of an American staple. You know, you can go to Whole Foods, you can go to ShopRite, you can find kimchi. So I, I don't think it's so much fusion or some kind of fad. But, you know, just the whole, we've been talking about barbecue evolving. You know, it's come a long way in the last 10 years.
4: So it's really going on with uh, food in Houston in general, too. Is like, you know, the Vietnamese food, it's become the norm. Yeah. <laughs> Lower a lot of the things that yeah. are vietnamese food has become the norm like it's at restaurants and exactly yeah. Yeah, right, and now, eric, right,
1: right before you walked in sorry we were talking about vietnamese
4: the the crawfish yeah that oh, are of happening course all that's like i said Vietnam. that's everywhere now for sure yeah. and, and eric you're, you're from houston i was born and yeah born and raised in houston lived there all my life um i followed my wife here to new york city about five or six years ago um and it's it's been a pleasure
2: and we're going to talk a lot more about the different you know, flavors and cultures and everything, but I'm still fascinated by Texas because Texas barbecue has kind of taken over New York. And to me, I never really knew it, even though we've done Brisket King for years and now we're doing Rib King event. I mean, what, what is Texas barbecue? What's the trinity of, of
4: the dishes? I'm, uh- is, can I, is it okay to to swear on the radio here? just yeah. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because, you know, I'm going to talk about Texas barbecue, there's going to be a lot of words like that kind of getting thrown around. Um, Texas, as you know, is, is the kind of place where um, we do everything right and all y'all don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. <laughs> That's just kind of how, you know, you grew up. I mean, even coming to New York City, you know, like five or six years ago, you know, I was real skeptical about it just because you grew up in a culture where, you know, on TV you see like, commercials that say you know picante sauce made in new york city get a rope you know that's something you saw and you grew up with and so it's kind of gets ingrained to you just to hate things like you know from the northeast but nothing could be you know further from the truth. From getting here, it's completely the opposite of that, and, and and I regret everything that I felt or said you know bad about it in the past. But getting back to um, just you know talking about,
2: uh, get a rope as in hang yourself.
4: Well, yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> if you, you you make picante sauce right, but you're from New York City, well that ain't right, and we're gonna get a, somebody's gonna get a rope and we're gonna string you up by your neck from a tree until you die like a good old lynching, which is the worst thing you could possibly want to put onto a commercial for your picante sauce, but in Texas, the, but, in, but in Texas, that sells, that flies. Those things so will that's fly off the shelf. <laughs> that's a real commercial. Get a rope, all right. Get a get a cart, honey, and let's go get some picante sauce. I like these guys, and that kind of you know that kind of sucks because the way things are now, I mean, everything is kind of like I said, includes like no no place on the planet that I, that I've been. I haven't been to many places, but Houston has really brought in kind of like I said, with the Vietnamese food and, and Thai food and Asian food in general. And then all kinds of other foods too. It's just like it's a big, you know, it's a big melting pot. And Blake, you're
2: originally from where?
4: I am from Fayetteville, Arkansas.
2: And what, what kind of barbecue traditions do you have there? So
4: um,
1: in Arkansas, in Arkansas agriculture, we don't have cows, we have pigs and chickens. So um, beef barbecue was completely foreign to me growing up. I can count on one hand the number of times I had either beef rib or brisket. Um, you know, the, the the most common thing to happen was was ribs. You know, that was like pork rib was the thing that I grew up on. Um, and the thing that I still go after when I'm going to a barbecue restaurant looking for barbecue, that's, that's usually where I start. Y'all do any
4: whole, whole, whole hog stuff there? Uh,
1: not so much. Whole yeah. hog, you start going a little bit more east. Like as you get closer to Memphis and those areas start moving further east, you see more whole hog. Uh, we used to do a lot of pulled pork and a lot of pork rib. No baby backs though. Always, always St. Louis <laughs> cut.
2: To bring us into the story, so you yeah. you say you like making beer collaborations more with chefs than I with do. Other brewers.
1: I do. I mean, I love beer collaborations in general. Uh, beer collaborations with chefs are are beer collaborations with brewers are fun. They're they're great fun. It's not to disparage you know any brewer or working with them. Chefs just have a different point of view on the world. Yeah. Chefs are used to to number one, food tasting like they want it to taste like. So they bring a very different point of view to making beer than brewers typically will bring. And chefs are also used to making very, very tiny adjustments that have a huge impact, right? If you want something to be a little saltier, you just add a little salt to it. If you want something to be a little sweeter, you add a little sugar to it. Making beer is not quite so um, finite like that, right? When we're making beer, you know, 800 gallons at a time, it's uh, you can't just add a little bit of this or a little bit of that and make it come out like you like you so want. Y-
2: you and Rob, tell us about the beer collaboration. You guys, man, I like the name, the Soul. Yeah, Brothers. Soul
1: Brothers. So um, many people don't know this, but Rob has been a friend of ours at our brewery since basically the day we opened the doors. He was, um, uh, you know, the first uh, pop up that we had there at the brewery, and he's been been very um, you know supportive of us since, and so. You know, he said earlier that he has a, uh, you know, he's 100% Korean and he's 100% Texas. And and when I taste his barbecue, I taste a Korean influence on Texas barbecue. And I think that's very interesting. So he and I said, you know, one day we're hanging out at the brewery. probably had more than <laughs> one beer at this point. And um, we said, well, can we bring the Korean drinking experience to American craft beer? Is that is that possible? Um, and what does that mean? So, of course, I had to stop everything and start drinking incredible amounts of soju and (laughs) and, mak goli and all of these Korean things and started finding a set of flavors that, um, that we thought kind of fit the bill that ended up being soul Brothers. So what we knew we wanted was, was a specific rice flavor. Um, a lot of Korean alcohols will carry a fruitiness to them that are reminiscent of pears. Um, and the, the biggest thing about them is like whether you're drinking makgeolli or whether you're drinking soju, you really don't know it's kicking your ass until it's too late, right? Like you need to, they're easy, easy, easy to drink, um, and then the alcohol kind of sneaks up on you. And and that begat the the Soul Brothers experiment. So this is a uh, 7.5% high rice ale. We use a puffed jasmine rice, like a torrified jasmine rice product, and uh, um, a Korean pear concentrate to create this beer, and so we think it um, sort of fairly represents what Rob's barbecue is to Texas, is what this beer is. So this is the the
2: Elementary Soul Brothers. Yeah. And Rob, how how did you wait? It sounds like Blake figured the whole thing out for you. What did you do in this beer collaboration? (laughs) I did not figure the whole
3: thing out. (laughs) Well, it was sort of like that. I mean, I I just told him, like, all right, these are the things that I think would make a good beer, You know, not necessarily making it spicy. You know, some people think of, of kimchi, Korean, oh, we're going to make it spicy. I didn't want a spicy beer. I wanted something to complement spicy foods, complement barbecue. And I just told them what I was going for and, you know, a couple of weeks later they come out with the test batch and I you go, know, this is good and I wouldn't change a thing. So, we got pretty lucky in that sense. We didn't have to do, you know, wait for the beer to ferment for a couple of weeks or 10 days and then, you know, do a tweak on it. Uh, told them, what I was going for, mm-hmm. they came out with something. I like think? it. What do you think, Eric? I'm
4: yeah. stunned because it's, it's, it's kind of a crisp, refreshing, uh, kind of like that rice kind of beer yeah. taste. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you said this is 7.5%? Yeah, exactly. That's blowing my yeah. mind. And this but is it, a
1: great barbecue beer But it's right still here. fruity. Yeah. It still's got it's a like cleanliness. It's like it's got a little, you got a little, yeah. you know,
4: fresh, clean taste to it. Yeah. And I'm
1: telling you, if you get a couple of pints in you, you're it's that seven
4: and a half percent is going to show. Well, and that's itself. the whole point. It's like you're eating, you're eating barbecue. Yeah. While you're eating barbecue, you're not going to have you know two pitchers of beer while you're eating barbecue. No. you're going to have maybe two pints of beer, and you're going to go home and go to sleep yeah. after that because <laughs> of the food and because of the beer. Yeah. So that's with so perfect beer to go with a, 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 a trade. So let's yep. talk
2: about for your first barbecue experiences. So. Um, Eric, you know, you said growing up in Texas, where'd you get barbecue? I'm going to
4: try to make this quick. Um, <laughs> I, I'm my father's a coach. I played sports all my life, and the deal is, is you know, when I, I was a coach too. Before I became got involved in barbecue, that's what I did. I was a teacher and a coach. And so, when you're in Texas and you're coaching, I played basketball. I was primarily a basketball coach, but I coached golf and, and track and. and and football, because football is king, right? And so, what would happen is on Friday nights, I'd be part of a scout team, and we'd go to all different parts of Texas. So on a Friday night, when everyone else is back at home watching the game and having a good time, me and a couple of the coaches would drive to, you know, Navasota or College Station or Plano, and then all these to scout a football game. But we'd leave early; we get to cut out of school early. That was always great about that. And what we would do every single time is we would go to a bar, whatever the best barbecue restaurant was there. And so, for about five, six, seven years, all I did all year long was go to the best barbecue restaurants all over Texas. Now, that's when I was in my twenties. Growing up, my, my grandparents lived in Huntsville, and there's a barbecue restaurant called the Baptist Zion Church, the Baptist Zion Church. It's one of the most famous barbecue restaurants in Texas. It's it's a different kind of style. It's more of an eastern Texas style with a lot of sauces involved, not central, you know, with no sauces involved. But I mean, it's a very famous, and it was our, it was my, it was. What I ate every day since I was probably every weekends. It's out since about five or six years old. That's what I was getting. What I was eating. You know, that's grandma would come back and say I got some. But you, I got so some barbecue you the went church. out to
2: get barbecue. You didn't make it at home. No,
4: we would. We, nobody. I didn't really know anyone ever made it at home. It was always something you went to and you'd go. You would go buy you know or someone would have a smoker and then it would be a party and you'd be like you'd be eating theirs at the party but you wouldn't be making it you'd be at a party someone else would do it
2: what about rob when, when did you first start having barbecue or food like that
3: well food like that yeah i mean you know i grew up in jersey so i didn't have real barbecue in the sense of smoked meats until somewhere in the two, mid-2000s you know watching tv and that's when the whole barbecue bug got me. You know, people ask me, you know, am I from Texas? How did I learn how to smoke? I just saw it on TV, and sort of like growing up, you know, I watched Dr. J play basketball. I go to the playground, try to imitate his moves. I saw this thing on Food Network or YouTube. Go to the park and just try smoking meat. So that was my first experience because, you know, in Jersey, you know, only until maybe five, six years ago has smoking meats gotten to be a thing, so I didn't really grow up with that tradition of smoked meats. And we were going to talk about that That we're really, especially in the Northeast it's come a long way. I mean,
2: even even brisket, just a few years ago I felt like a, there wasn't consistent brisket.
4: Just in the five or six, seven years I've been here, it's been completely gone like on, through the roof. Like you used to be one or two good places. Now there's at least a dozen. I mean, in any of the places that you wouldn't say are great, they're still doing it good enough to be considered good Texas barbecue. It's it's amazing how far it's come this fast.
2: What was your journey, Rob? I mean, to go from trying to be Dr. J and watching TV, <laughs> to, New, York, uh, Nets, J, right? New York Nets, Dr. J, right? New York Nets, Dr. J.
3: I'm not feeling. that old. I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I started uh, in about 2013. I just started as a you know, a little food vendor, uh, going to street fairs. Uh, then 2014, did uh, some more street fairs. And I went to my first Brisket King in 2014. And I saw, wow, you know, a lot of people came out for the barbecue there to, uh, for the brisket. And and for the following year, that was one of my goals. So I will be tweeting at Jimmy, like, I want in. I want to be part of this Brisket King, you know. That's my first year, too. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And then... You know, just slowly just developing my skills, my confidence, my brand. So from 2013 to 2016, just putting my name out there. And then 2016, I opened my first uh, brick and mortar.
1: Well, so great. just to add to that, because Rob's from my neighborhood, um, my husband, Michael, and I, we, we spent two years basically chasing him all over New Jersey. He was doing pop-ups in donut shops yeah. because they had fryers and what have you available to them. Uh, and he has this thing called a chonut, which is a a donut cut in half like a sandwich bun on which he puts brisket sauce and this kimchi coleslaw. I have had exactly one bite of a chonut in my life, and I declared that it needed to be as far away from me as humanly possible. Yeah. Or Kill I was going to, it was amazing. It's <laughs> so, like, I'm going to eat 30 of them yeah. if this is not far away from me. Yeah. Well, that's so, one
3: reason we only sell it on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. You
1: know? So his first his first <laughs> his first brick and mortar because he's a jerk his first brick and mortar was about a uh, quarter mile walk from our uh, from our house so I had to like survive with this barbecue well, at least you got to easy?
4: walk you know, yeah. walk, walk it off you walk you to walk your meal off. and Very then you walk back. home yeah. that's yeah, the secret jog, jog there and walk home yeah
2: <laughs> i'm always like the best restaurants if, if i can walk there and walk home yeah it's, it's a better experience that's for it me. it is mm-hmm. and quick let's back to the beer so the first beer we had actually yeah this island life it's yeah. kind of
1: salty it's crazy yeah it's so great island life um Elementary Island Life. Island, Elementary Island Life. When we first opened, we had a Key Lime Goza. Goza is a sour-style beer that has a little bit of, of sea salt added to it. Uh, we launched with a uh, Key Lime version of this beer, and then um, I found a, a fruit provider, actually at a, at a conference not long ago, at the Craft Brewers Conference, uh, and I tasted this weird fruit called a calamansi. It's a Filipino fruit that's a genetic hybrid between a kumquat and and a mandarin orange, and it look it looks like a lime, but it's bright yellow on the inside. It's this crazy weird fruit. What's it called again? Uh, Calamansi. Calamansi.
2: Yeah, you, you can buy the juice in the city. Yeah, a couple specialty suppliers.
1: And, and the, the weird thing about it is, it tastes like every tropical fruit you've ever had. It's like <laughs> it doesn't matter what your happy, fun, sunny beach place is. This beer takes you to that place. It's nice. like. If it, you want it to be pineapple, it tastes like pineapple. If you want so it
4: to
2: be, there's like orange, a cal- calamansi goza. Yeah, like the
1: yeah. tofu of fun. <laughs> it exactly <laughs> it takes it all. Um, and stuff. it's uh, I, I was we made it once and did a little test market of it, and it has taken over just about everything. So that that is the official beer of New Jersey summer, sure. as they say. Like down the shore, we're selling a ton of that this year. Um, it's just bright, sunny, delicious, easy, crushable, salty. It's like Gatorade with um, you know in, in beer form.
2: That's great. And, Rob, how did you connect with... Uh, this beer collaboration is interesting. So, Blake, I know you also made beer, uh, beer with um, Wandering Q. Yep, that is in process, White, yeah. For the Kiddish Fest. Mm. Um, how, how did you decide to make a beer with him?
3: Well, one of the things, uh, I guess, if I didn't get into barbecue, I probably would have gotten into either making makolili, which is a Korean rice ale, or beer. But then, you know, I just got... St- You know, smitten with barbecue, and it just took all my time and energy. And then during that time, I bought my cousin a beer kit, and you know, he was making some beer. But you know, if I had the time, I would make it. And then you know, I was thinking of like, okay, you know, I'm maybe had a slow week, so like, oh yeah, maybe I'll make a beer. But then I'm like, I don't really have time to make a beer, and I'm not gonna reinvent the wheel. So I just talked to Blake and be like, hey, let's do a beer collab. This is what I'm looking for. Can you do it? And I knew. They would do a better job than me, which would take me probably months or a year to figure out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't want—I didn't have the time to do that. Yeah, th-
1: this was a fun collaboration because it was—it is, as it's at its core, an American craft beer. It is what it is, right? It's, but it has this um, kind of Korean tilt to it that uh, we find very charming. Like we—we we enjoy it. Our, our patrons enjoy it. People love it with. All manner of food, like it is a beer that is built to pair with food. People love it with Thai food. People love it with barbecue. People love it with anything that carries a little bit of fat and a little bit of salt with it. Whether that fat come in the form of like brisket or coconut milk doesn't really seem to matter. People have really uh, uh, come to the purpose of the beer, and they and they buy it for that reason.
2: You know, we were talking about innovations in barbecue, and is that really the right the right term to talk about, especially what's going on? We said Houston different influences and definitely in new york city
3: yeah i don't think it's innovation i think it's more just evolution yeah, she's or, gonna say evolution you're exactly you know, right. or yeah. just people's you know cultures just coming to light you know yeah. like you know, i'm kimchi smoke but i don't really do korean barbecue but i cook in a way that i grew up the way i ate you know like my parents would bring kimchi to barbecues you know grilling events and you know so when I'm cooking now and that's just the way I like to eat so I'm not trying to be innovative I'm not trying to be creative this is the way I like to eat and to other people hey that might be out of the box uh, creative but you know I think it's just we're becoming more acceptive of different cultures so here in New York we don't have Texas style barbecue or we don't grow up with Carolina or Memphis so in New York we have all different traditions all melting pots coming together so I just think yeah, you know, this is just the way we eat.
4: It's evidence of the world getting a little smaller too. Yeah. It's like it's evidence of things getting a little tighter and, and getting better in that regard. Also, um, a quick example of that I can just throw out there real quick is uh, burn ends. I mean, everyone's talking about burn ends, burn yeah. ends, burn ends, burn ends. When where I'm from in Texas, I mean, for a while, the uh, the saying going around is. Burn ends not friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> because you know what burn ends is, right? Burn ends is where you take the good part of the brisket and you, and you dice it and cube it and you put a bunch of sauce on it and you serve it. Yeah. And from where I'm from, that's bullshit. All right. You don't do that. <laughs> all right. And so everyone coming and asking me we're we gonna make burn ends, we're we gonna make burn ends, we're we gonna make burn ends. Well I just had to kind of rethink things for a little bit. So what I can do is I can pastrami, you know, the uh, the flat, and then I can take the point off and I can do burn ends with that. And so I've had to kind of reframe my thinking on, on burnt ends. Eric,
2: I, on that note, the the recent brisket king event, you made burnt ends. Yeah. What was that dish? Because that that was that one was, of my That was that was exactly
4: dishes. what I'm talking about. That's right. Like like if I was going to do burnt ends, I wasn't just going to just you know just slaughter a brisket that I'd already made. I was going to do it for a reason. And I wanted to make pastrami because it's in New York City, and I was kind of thinking that way. And so. So it was a
2: pastrami I, brisket. You served pastrami. And burnt ends.
4: So the process Same is you just take piece. you take a brisk and you got to separate the point from the flat. And when you separate the point from the flat, what you basically have is you got ready-made burnt ends with that point, and then you got ready-made pastrami with that flat. And so I just I, I uh, you know I do the pastrami process with the flat. And then I save those burn ends, or I save those points and wrap yeah. them up until it's time to cook them, and I this will all be ready at the same time. And I've been doing it so long now, i got a process. for on the weekend. Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, I'll have burn-ins, and Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, I'll have pastrami, and it works that way every week because I've been doing it for so long now. But the point I'm trying to make about that is, is both of those things I'm talking about doing, where I'm from, it'd be a get-a-rope kind of situation, you know what I mean? Nobody <laughs> wants to hear about that. All right, But things are changing now, and now people in Texas are doing things like... Uh, um, burn ends that are made out of pork belly. Pork yeah. belly burn ends. Yes. Y'all heard of that thing totally. What's going on? That's a big actually. thing right now. But people would argue <clears throat> with you and say, that's not burn ends. That's not burn end. You can't burn a pork belly. I mean, that's, if you talk about what, what a burn end is supposed to be, it's the burn part of the brisket that they used to cut off and just serve to people in the yeah. line. That's what burn ends is. So how do you burn into you you uh, pork it as a pork belly? Just give it as a taste. Yeah, that's what you used to do in, in, uh, in, in Kansas, right? Kansas City. They wouldn't trim. They just throw the whole thing in there, and then they would trim it, and they'd put this part off and say, here's a little morsel for you because it's too fatty, it's too rich, it's too burnt. But it was delicious. They loved it. And they loved it so much, that's what became a thing. It became such a thing, it evolved into something different. And whereas a person from Texas might say, that's crap, and not get into it anymore. <laughs> that's crap. I like now, the these idea days, of, of like,
2: waiting in line and yeah. and getting the free samples while I wait. I like that. I
1: actually just taught, uh, we're at elementary, we're building our second brewery right now, and it's, it's just on the edge of being done. Um, and my electrician of all people was asking me about pork belly burnt ends ah. and how does he cook pork belly burnt ends. So we we took him to the store. We bought him a pork belly. It was yep. like, okay, here's what you got to do to do yeah. pork belly burnt ends. It's, it's quite a thing.
2: Well, we're going to take a short break because we got to get a, a message in here. And uh, we'll be back in a minute on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
3: This episode
1: is brought to you by Foster Sundry, a specialty grocery located in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Since opening in August 2015, Foster Sundry has evolved into a neighborhood hub for weekend brunch, weeknight groceries, coffee on your morning commute, a draft beer after work, and so much more. Their cheese counter, whole animal butcher, and produce section make grocery shopping a pleasure. Foster Sundry also offers catering and wholesale. Learn more at fostersundry.com. That's F O S.
0: T-E-R-S-U-N-D-R-Y dot com. Hey, hey,
2: hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio, heritageradionetwork.org. We're talking about ribs, barbecue, brewing Q, and Rib King NYC's this week. But um, Rob Cho, Kimchi Smoke, Blake from Elementary, and Eric from uh, Morgan's Brooklyn Barbecue. So Blake, uh, this is this is going to be my Jersey Shore beer summer, man. That is elementary <laughs> island life. You take, it's nice, right? So it's a calamansi goes. Calamansi goes.
1: calamansi is a Filipino fruit. Um, we there's about um, uh, oh my goodness seventy kilograms of that. So that's like uh, what one hundred and fifty pounds thereabouts of that goes into one fifteen barrel batch of that beer. The, the interesting thing about it is the calamansi we get in, we get frozen in one kilogram bricks. So one of my brewers has to spend an impossibly long amount of time on top of a ladder with individual one kilogram packages of calamansi, <laughs> 70 at a time. Wow. Wow. Uh, not, a dash. No, not, not a, a dash. Not a dash. It's it's a lot.
2: You know, last time I had you on was a couple years ago. You are yep. on with Brick City. Yep. Tell us about the the craft beer scene in your part of New Jersey. Because a lot. It's come a long
1: way. It is awesome, and it is awesome for New York listeners to actually t- to come to understand because it's we're literally four miles across the GWB. It's not a it's not an insurmountable journey. Um, but we have, of course, us, um, the elementary in Hackensack. We have our original brewery and tap room at 58 Voorhees Lane. And our new brewery is directly across the street, like literally, mm. you know, 50 yards away at 55 Voorhees Lane. We have Brick City, which is uh, three miles down the road. Joe and Pete on that place down in uh, Little Ferry. And then right between the two of us, a little closer to us, actually, we have Hackensack Brewing Company owned by Mike Jones. They just opened up uh, back in February. They're 600 feet away. So, uh, you know, for viewers who are looking to experience some awesome New, new, uh, awesome new Jersey beers and not have a like, huge journey into New Jersey, you can cross the bridge and hit three breweries, like one right after the other. Um, you know, I, I would love to have a distillery just around the corner. This is the new thing that I'm pushing <laughs> the town for. It's like if you can give me more food truck permits and a distillery, we would be home free. Um, but it's, it's great. You know, New Jersey has long been behind New York and pennsylvania in terms of craft craft beer production and and uh, you know sort of craft and beer production per capita
2: when your new brewery opens you're going to be selling in new york city oh 100
1: so the reason for that brewery is we're going to be selling new york statewide including the five boroughs and the remainder of new jersey right now we're in about 255 locations just in northern new jersey we haven't crossed the river yet and we haven't even gone down to most of New Jersey. So
2: you made this special batch of beer with with Rob, the yep. Soul Brothers. Is that a beer that you're going to roll out and, and sell, or just it's a one I, batch beer?
1: I ain't gonna lie, Jimmy. I'm actually kind of scared of that beer because I think that once people get that beer and they start tasting it, I think it's going to take over a lot of capacity. I think when we bring that beer into the city, you know that particular beer. I'd buy a t- case right now. Yeah, that <laughs> I would, think you're
2: going to walk home with one.
1: That style of beer with the types of foods that are popular amongst adventurous eaters right now in the five boroughs, its um, uh, I, I don't know that we can make enough of it,
2: to be honest so with you. Let's talk about this event coming up, Rib, Rib King NYC. Both Eric and, and Rob, you're going to be competitors. Yeah. Um, what are some of the flavors that you're working with? Because I, I have a feeling that they, they go well with, with these beers. What are you going to do, Rob? Are you... Are you Dry rub? Are you? Are you doing pork or beef? Dude, Timmy's you did asking. A lot Timmy's on,
1: uh, asking for the secret sauce already. Well, I, 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 yeah, I guess was, I, I guess contest. some people.
2: Kim, <laughs> smoke. You had a lot of posts about it. I'm really interested in what you're actually going to make.
3: Okay, so what I'm going to do? I guess the people listening, my competitors, probably be listening to this afterwards if they do at all. So, yeah, for this, I want to do something. We should present the trophy now. You're saying <laughs> totally different. I'm uh, instead of doing. Korean style ribs, Uh, right now I'm leaning toward, I mean, it could could change, but I'm leaning toward going to uh, a five spice Chinese sticky rub, uh, sticky sauce rib, uh, you know, so sort of like the ribs that you might get in a Chinese takeout, so I'm going to smoke them. You know, smoke them to perfection Oof. and then put a glaze on it. I like so, a hoisin sauce? A hoisin glaze, uh, but not too strong because everything I like to do is about balance. You know, it's not too much of this or too much of that, but just a really well-balanced rib. And then to, we're going to have some elementary beer. So I think it will just be a perfect complement. That's what I'm looking and to you're do. I'm gonna do pork. I'm gonna do pork. Yeah, yeah. that sounds great. And, um, and
2: you gonna do the three, two, one, six hours? Or <laughs> I, I, I will
3: do three, two, one. You know, to get it really moist and tender. Uh, but Rip king uh, poses a challenge because you know we have to hold it for a long time. Yeah. I have to leave my that's restaurant right. around two thirty, three o'clock. You know, it might take two hours to get to Brooklyn, and I have to make sure that you know they don't get overdone while yep. I'm, I'm bringing them over. So that's the challenge. For this event. Might cook them a little bit under just so they can hold it a little longer. Exactly. So that's a tip to anyone competing. You know, you have to compensate for the time that, you know, you're bringing them there. Uh, But to me, when I think of ribs, I I love beef ribs. But when we're talking about ribs, that's the first thing I started cooking. It's it's about pork to me. And I saw the trophy, beautiful trophy. (laughs) It's a rack of, looks like St. Louis ribs. So to me, ribs is pork. Yeah. And that's what I'm gonna call it. I have a question about
1: the three two one. I I just wanna interject because um when I do the three two one at home, Mm because I'm I've become a home bar there's a whole story there, but I've become a home barbecue guy. Um and I think to my experience the three two one produces a, a rib that is like fall off the bone tender, which is not how the ribs were I had growing up, and I think you know, I grew up in Arkansas where the, a, a good pork rib had a certain bite to it. Yeah, like, you don't it, want it, anything falling it, off it the bone. A t- you want a to texture, have
4: too. a little bit of, little bit of pull, so but you, not fall off the bone. Do you, do
1: you think people in, on the coast are a little more tolerant of that softer texture, like that, that, uh, that more tender texture than, than I you think?
4: think they just don't understand or know. Like you get a lot of people coming in our restaurant, and it's like they say, this chicken's pink. This chicken's not done. It's smoke. It's the, it's the, the pink is the smoke. You know, or mm-hmm. you're like, yeah. hey, what do you mean you're out of brisket? Go make some more. <laughs> Go make some more brisket. What do you mean you're out? How can you be out? And it's like, that's a pr- that's a yeah. point of pride in a barbecue restaurant is selling your brisket out before five o'clock. And if you can do that, it means it's good. And so if you do not get there, it, it means you're not getting there soon enough. The burden's on you. So there's a lot of different things. The reason I, I ask know.
1: is I, I hadn't heard of the three two one until I moved to the coast from Arkansas. So for, like, I, that method was, was foreign to me.
3: No. But I would say, you know, you don't have to stick to three two one. No. Uh I would you know, whatever works for you. You can go two two one. Yeah. Or, you know, three, three one two. or three one one. Yeah. Three, three one thirty minutes. Yeah. You know, it's not exactly you know, really three two one doesn't tell yeah. you how big the ribs are, doesn't tell you what type of smoker you're using, yeah, what yeah, heat. Yeah. So that's just the guideline, but if you want, you know, less tender or less fall off the bone, then definitely cut back on oh, okay. one of the... the good thing treats. about
4: ribs is you can tell if it's ready or not just by looking at them. You can see those bones pulling out at a certain point, and you know it looked like before it went in, and then you know it's good, so you don't have to really cut into it or temp it. And if it looks, if it's got the, you know, meat's pulling back off the bone about, you know, a quarter inch Rich. all the way around, then you know you're close. Yes. And so that's a good thing. But we're doing it at Morgan's for the, uh, for the contest we're doing the kind of the opposite thing. We're going simple, you know, because good barbecue, you know, best barbecue is just you know salt, pepper, and doing it right. And bringing out something as simple as you know a a slab of of spare ribs (laughs) is it's it's, you know what are you going to do if you just do it right? It's going to be delicious, and that's what we're serving at the restaurant. And so that's probably we're we're just going to truck out something like that. Just try to do it right.
2: So there's there's some magic to to a brisket. But it seems that with ribs, isn't it really more
4: just about the sauce? It can be. I mean, especially when you're talking about like mops and stuff like that, Memphis style, and all kinds of different ribs. The great thing about ribs is that it does have a lot of kind of lateral movement with what you're going to do with them. That's why I love hearing about like a kind of what is it, hoisin sauce and Chinese style rib that just made my mouth start drooling. <laughs> I was like, I had to close my mouth. Um, I mean. Ribs just has a it gets, it's a lot of play for doing stuff like that. Like no, you cannot do with a brisket. like a brisket is just you're just going to do it one way. Secret That's best bar- But both ribs there's so many different things you can. Best do. Best
2: barbecue sauce I ever had had some hoisin in it. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah,
4: okay. And a rib contest usually it will they'll say the only thing that is the standard is is, is what kind of ribs you're going to use. Like is it going to be a St. Louis okay. cut or is it going to be a spare rib cut or is it going to be we're going to do beef. And for the for contest this time. Around, I don't think there's even that. Like, there's you, no you, can can you can do anything. You can do anything you want. Like, I can do Brontosaurus ribs if I want to do Brontosaurus ribs, and that would so be So cool.
2: There might be some. Beef. I think we've got two kosher. We have got Izzy's Brooklyn Barbecue is doing that place blows beef. me away. They had never never uh, tasted <laughs> barbecue
4: before. Yeah, they're making the best barbecue in New York and City. Wandering Q is, great. is I doing, go that.
2: Uh, kosher lamb.
4: Yeah, up a
3: hill country. What did, did I see a potros doing uh,
2: beef? They're I don't know what they're doing yet. They they. Uh, one of Oof, our judges was—they're be eating the though. beef rib. Yeah. yeah, the beef ribs are big. And yeah. uh, what's the difference between p- cooking beef rib and and uh, pork rib?
4: Well, the main difference is the cost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you beef, one beef rib is, is about the same price as a slab of a whole a whole slab of pork ribs. You Tell know. us
2: about the time you made pastrami beef rib. That well, was a good story.
4: I, I, well, it's not. It's not a good story. It's a bad story. <laughs> but it'll probably be good for radio. I, uh, I, you know, I've been making pastrami, and i sit in Texas There's a place called the, um, the Chocolate Factory. And it's in Tomball. It's one of the, it, I think it got either number one or number two or number three in the, uh, in the TM. You know, the Texas, barbecue. You know thing online where it's like they rank all the barbecue restaurants in Texas and Tomball just came out of nowhere and blew it right out of the way and what they'd been doing I've been watching them kind of post stuff and they've been making pastrami A and then also they started making pastrami beef ribs I was like god oh, pastrami beef rib that's gnarly I want to try that and so I've been doing pastrami anyway and so in my big you know bucket of brine I just you know I threw, threw in some beef ribs in there and then when I pulled them out and I you know I, I put my typical rub on them I smoked them and then I cut into them. Sure enough, it just looked like pastrami, mm-hmm. tastes like pastrami, right. and it was delicious. But like I said, it's a little rich. It was a little rich. It's a little rich. I don't know if that would have worked in a contest setting. It might have worked in a like, okay, come try this, like, a, a, in a restaurant, kind of like paired with a, some beer setting. But I don't know if, a con, if that would have worked in a contest setting.
2: Rob, you you just made some really good beef ribs too.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I love making beef ribs, and for beef ribs, I mean, I like to keep it simple. I mean, I love pastrami, but at the same time, I feel like to do the pastrami uh, process to beef ribs, you know, to me, I sort of think it's a waste because, you know, he was saying beef ribs are expensive, and pastrami is a way to preserve some meat. You take a cheap cut of meat, and you want to make it, you know, tender. You want to give it some flavor. So, to me, I would never make a pastrami beef rib because beef rib is good. Pastrami is good, yeah. but to me, I don't know. Don't
4: mess with it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. You're yeah, right about that.
3: Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I love making beef ribs too. So I struggle. You know, if I was make. I made a Instagram post. Should I do beef ribs or should I do pork ribs? And I was going back and forth. And you know, I I, I love beef ribs. And actually, my favorite thing to eat in the world is uh, Korean short ribs, which is just you know thinly sliced uh, short ribs grilled with some soy sesame marinade, and, you know, that's not really barbecue. And the pers- You know, that's more grilling, but that is my favorite thing to eat. Uh, so if I did do a beef rib, it would probably be in that, you know, flavor profile. I like that. That <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Well, well Blake, you know, just, yep. uh, you know, with beer, the, the secret ingredient
2: seems... For a long time, it has been hops. It has been. And with the barbecue, what we're talking about, there's smoke. Yeah. I'm trying to draw a parallel. Who wants to jump in on that? Because for me, yeah. my idea of cooking was, was like a Le Creuset skillet, braising. I, I never really cooked with smoke.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, when it comes to making beers that go with barbecue, you have to look at that slightly differently because, um, sometimes the acridity of smoke doesn't pair well with the sort of bitterness of a hoppy beer. Um, so you definitely have to back off the bitterness. You have to err on the side of fruity flavors. Um, and I think for the best barbecue pairing beers, you really kind of have to back off that and, and think about just the most basic swillable beers that you can get. Like we have the barbecue beer that we always recommend to people is our heck and sack lager, which is a, a beer that you're going to be able to get all over New York state here shortly. Um, Prom- Prom- it, promise? Uh, I promise. I <laughs> promise. I promise. That's and it is a. And I
2: know where Hackensack uh, is. That's one place do, I know. Yeah,
1: uh, and it is a you know basic Munich pale lager. It's delicious. It's pale yellow. You can serve it to your friends and family who are coors light drinkers, and they're not going to look you know askance at it. Um, so it's quite good. But when it comes to hops, like hops are hard. You know, hops are you know getting good quality hops is a challenge nowadays because the way the hop market is and uh, pairing hoppy beers with barbecue is super hard.
2: Taking photos. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, there we go. Uh, so the beer you have in front of you right now. Well, the reason is, I say is because
2: yeah. people used to talk about beer and barbecue pairings, and for years it was like, oh, pick an American IPA.
1: No, no, I would never do that because like the the you you don't want anything too bitter, right? With barbecue, you want a beer that has an alcohol presence, but you don't want it to have an overt bitterness, and I think. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that depends a lot on the type of wood that's used.
4: Yeah, well, I was just going to say, yeah. it's like you said. You mentioned bitter, and the first thing that comes to mind is mesquite. Yeah, <laughs> I know nobody uses mesquite up here, but down in Texas, mesquite's a very big deal. Certainly. A lot of places use it, and it is a very bitter. Yeah. It would remind me of something like a bitter belt. And, and even
1: classic Texas barbecue with post oak can yeah. drive a bitterness to it. Well, post
4: oak, you know, I'm getting a bunch of red oak right now, yeah. and it burns really fast and because yeah. you get a lot of creosote. And because yeah. you get the creosote, you get a little, you know, so yeah, I can see that
1: hops, wood smoke kind of. Yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't always go well. The beer we're drinking right now is elementary random placement of things. This beer is named after our former tapper manager who used to get angry every time brewers <laughs> would leave things in the taproom. People would leave like their backpacks, their keys, their What the their hell boots. is this doing in here? And so she would just steal their things <laughs> and put them in random locations. And your keys are on top of a fermenter right. or you know, your boots are, you know, um, in the back of the picnic my car. table. Um, so random placement of things is, is named after Chelsea, but it's a a basic light. Um, stylistically it's an XPA, which is a huge thing in the Pacific Northwest. Now it's kind of halfway between, yeah, that one right there, halfway between a, uh, IPA and a pale ale. So it's, it's hoppier than a pale ale, but not quite as alcoholic as a modern, uh, you know, sort of East coast, New England style IPA still with a light, bright hop fruit presence. So, this one is Citra and Mosaic are the two hops. It's a way more Citra than Mosaic, almost a three to one. Just enough Mosaic to bring some of that berry notes in there um, and a lot of wheat content. So, it brings a, um, a moderate alcohol, six and a half percent experience, but still with enough hop flavor to, to drive through uh, for hop heads.
2: Well, cheers to you, Blake. So, cheers Jersey beer is on the rise, yes. man. Yes. 100%. Great job. Just like Jersey really, barbecue. So, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the guys in the competitions coming in now, uh, and our competitions are different. We're not talking about Kansas City style. To me, everything we do is like a New York City restaurant type you know, tasting. But there's a lot more guys uh, cooking barbecue in Jersey coming in to do events in the city with us. Awesome, yes. And you're one of them. <laughs> Thank Ron. you,
3: yes. Thank you for uh, accepting me. You know, Uh I think, you know, people in Jersey, you know, we're always like, you know, we're not one of the five boroughs, so we're like the underdog and we're you know, the sixth borough. Sixth Rob. borough. I don't even know if they <laughs> consider that, the you know. Sixth <laughs> I mean, we're less New York than Staten Island. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean we we have, you know, people, you know, most people in New Jersey probably work in New York, so they're part of the New York scene, but you know, we don't get the cred street cred of being New Yorkers. And you know, there's a lot of people who are you know into barbecuing into craft brewing and you know for me it's great to see you know many people from Jersey coming out to compete in Brisket King Rib King and you know all these barbecue competitions
2: so Jersey's a little different I know the liquor licenses are different mm-hmm. it's hard to get a bar it's hard it's hard to have a, yeah. even wine and beer at your restaurant yeah so what what's it like owning a, a a restaurant in Jersey
3: without having a liquor license I say it's very tough uh, I mean I mean we're, you know, broadcasting right now in Roberta's. They have liquor license here. You know, it's like, 4:30. We came in. There's people drinking, eating pizza. It's great. You know, like I don't have that luxury, so, you know, I can't have just a, a lost leader say I'm doing wing specials for 50 cents each. You know, drink some beer. Mm-hmm. So everything I gotta do is, you know, it's it's more about just selling the food and not offsetting food costs with alcohol. So you know, I have to be more creative in terms of just food might make, and might make
4: what you're doing better that way, you know?
3: It could. Yeah. It could.
1: It also makes partnerships really important. So, like, Rob doesn't have a liquor license in his restaurant, but he does have a bodega right next door has <laughs> a liquor license. <laughs> yeah. So that means that, you know, we have to make sure that our sales staff have the beer on time or elementary beer on time in that place. We have to make sure that the right uh, merchandising is there, you know, uh, Window stickers or uh, table tents in his restaurant that say, hey, go next door because he doesn't have a liquor license, but he's BYO. So, you know, go next door, get the elementary beer, bring it over here, drink it, enjoy your food. You know, so we can kind of play these games where uh, even though the liquor license situation is pathological and awful and we waste a lot of time and money in trying to fix it. you know, the situation is such that we can partner together and get the best of both companies uh, working together to one goal.
4: Absolutely. Have you noticed people doing that? Will people go get like a six-pack of a, you know, your Absolutely.
3: I mean, the store right next to us, I mean, you know, because uh, the the success of the first launch of Soul Brothers was very popular, you know, they sold out in, like, a week maybe if that and yeah. then you know All we've right. been waiting for the new batch and you know yep. he's every time I go in there he's like he's calling elementary and he's waiting for the new shipment to come in so uh, so
1: it's, that it's store got 15 cases of Soul Brothers delivered uh, they were sold out six days later <laughs> that's good uh, 15 news. cases of beer now in New Jersey that's, that's a success story in our area and that's not including the you know 60 other cases that got sent out to other stores that sold out immediately
2: that's amazing <laughs> um, back to just barbecue so yeah. Uh, Eric, earlier you were saying, what is if I say Trinity to you? Yeah, what's the Trinity in text? The Holy
4: Trinity of barbecue is brisket, uh, sausage, and ribs. And like the the brisket, obviously, you know, variation on that. Sausage is usually going to be whatever's in the house, you know. And then uh, ribs is usually going to be pork ribs. It's going to be you know St. Louis cut pork ribs, and that's just you know. Whenever you go into a barbecue restaurant and you want to know like how good they are or what they're doing, you just you know say give me the three, give me the Trinity, and then and then you can just tell what kind of barbecue restaurant just based on the way they cook those three.
2: And what do you expect? Say like this event on Thursday. How would you judge the ribs? What would you be looking for I, in general? I, I,
4: you're asking the totally wrong personal <laughs> question. I'll, t- I'll say something really stupid on there, and I'm going to try to pull back on that, although I am having enough beer now. I could just say anything. I don't care anymore.
2: You started um, off swearing, and now you're not I swearing. I know. I'm, like I said, I'm trying, to, trying to be good. All right. We'll go
3: to New York. Okay. So, all right. So I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been doing a lot of these uh, competitions, and you know i'm just hoping for this competition that you know people are open minded you know everyone comes with preconceived notions like for me i'm saying yeah when i think of ribs i'm thinking of pork you know some people might do beef but i just hope that the judges and I, I believe so. I, I saw some of the list of the judges. I know some of their backgrounds. So I think, you know, to be open-minded. and Ed, not, Ed
2: Randolph, Handsome Double
3: Barbecue. Exactly. His and new, not, his new book, book's out. If it out. gets yeah. too wide,
4: though, if He's, it gets too wide, like open-minded, then you could have literally every single person that's that's entering the contest all do something that's worthy of winning. Yeah. But they can't all win no, because but, they're all doing something different. So if you have something that's very specific, like we're just going to do this rib with this kind of sauce with this kind of time, and who does it the best, now you truly have a contest. But wow. Having now it's not really a contest, it might be kind of like a uh, showcase. Either yeah. a showcase, there you go. But
3: yeah. you know, when KCBS, I've done a couple of those, you know, like everyone's doing the same style of ribs, you know, they're doing sweet, a little spicy with a lot of sauce, right? You know, to me, that's a little boring because then if you go a little out of the box, someone who might win Rib King would do poorly in a KCBS, exact. sure, sure. And to yeah, me, that yeah. seems you know, very biased, like oh, right. we, these are the KCBS like standards, so some people are judging this. Is a rib. You yeah. know
2: what? I bet's gonna happen. I bet somebody's gonna make a McDonald's imitation
4: McRib.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that
0: could
4: And, and actually, and that watch it th- win
3: and watch it win. Some, somebody,
2: there was a New York City guy that, that did make his version of McRib. It might have been Mighty Quinn. Mighty Quinn's. Yeah. yeah. Really? It's yeah. not. Call, it's called not Get called out of McRib. Here. It's called it's like
3: MQ Rib. MQ Rib. So it's like
2: a
4: boneless mm. rib, like a that pressed. you put onto a sandwich.
2: And or eat? some
3: people put like a whole, even the bone, in the sandwich. Huh. I've seen a.
2: Or you make some kind of pressed patty
4: of uh That's what I'm talking about. Pork. That's yeah. that's, uh, that's crazy. But it comes down
2: to the sauce. I'll yeah. tell you that's my story. I'm not going to give any shout outs to them, <laughs> the Mickey D, but years ago when I was like 18, I was traveling in Germany. The the thing that opened my eyes the most, more than beer, was that at the McDonald's restaurant, they had the McRib oh, yeah. <laughs> sandwich, and that's what they featured in Germany. So, I love ribs, man. I'll tell you that. I'm All excited about ribs. this event. Yes. You guys are pretty great chefs and um I love having you on the air. Thank you. So any, any last shout-out you want to give? Um, you know, give your victory speech before the, <laughs> you, you win, or are you going to
4: wait and see? Uh, I'm just going to say really quick you know, thanks to everyone at Morgan's Barbecue. The, uh, the Glazers have, have, uh, have done new things with that place, and they're doing great things. And to Judy Woodcock for uh, getting me to, into the barbecue scene here in New York City because of a letter she wrote a long time ago. Other than that, I want to thank you. This has been wonderful. Thanks a lot, Jimmy.
3: That's great, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad to be part of you know, the New Jersey, New York barbecue scene. And, you know, wh- you know, I, I know whoever wins is going to have a great product. And, you know, we'll just see uh, who has the best turn in that day. And, you know, we're going to have a great time. We're going to drink some Elementary Soul Brothers mm-hmm. beer. So <laughs> you know, I think it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Well,
2: thank you guys. and, and Thank Blake,
1: you. I'm just super happy to be some brewer kid. It's on the periphery who gets to hang out with awesome barbecue chefs on a random <laughs> Tuesday. So having grown up in the South and life takes you in weird directions, and now I live in New York, um, it's just it's a joy to be part
2: of the community, so I appreciate it. Well, Blake, this show is inspired by your... Collaborations with Thank barbecue you. chefs, wandering queue, the kiddish fesh beer, yeah. which is like a great whiskey festival that they're yeah, putting together. That's, that's, Kosher a, great, whiskey that's a great whiskey
1: festival. We're, we're doing a variant on, we have a, a, year, a beer we do every year called our smoked peach kolsch. We smoke peaches, put them in a kolsch. It's delicious. <laughs> um, Ari showed up. He's around the corner from us in Hackensack, his new place. And, and uh, he said, I, I want to do that beer, but I want to do a special edition of it. So we're doing um, a sour version of that beer. So it's going to be a sour smoked peach cold. So Hackensack sh- is hot, yeah. man. Hackensack, we, we should, Hackensack, Hackensack is hot.
2: Six borough. We're going to trade Staten Island to New Jersey, and we're going to take Hackensack. Take Hackensack. Yeah. And <laughs> I used to I live in Hackensack. Hackensack. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, controversial. Yeah, yeah, very close to Hackensack.
1: You're good. Um, so it's, it's, it's fantastic to have the opportunity to work with all these chefs.
2: Great. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for joining Thank me you, here generally. today. Eric, Blake, and Rob. And Rob, show it quick. How many things begin with Cho?
3: You've seen... The I got, Cho Nuts I got Cho nut, Cholanda Fries Austin Cho <laughs> Let General My Cho, People Cho. Cho Let My People Cho I mean <laughs> <So> Cho Zen <laughs> It just it Keeps going You guys Bravo. are rock stars Big shout out Thanks to our Bravo. producer
2: Justin Kennedy Engineer Matt Patterson I'm Jimmy Carboni I'm the host Here on the Heritage Radio Network We'll catch you next time On Beer Sessions Radio Alright Thanks for listening To Heritage Radio Network